And uh, so it's, we have a part in that as, as a body of Christ, as a church family, to support those parents and those, those children. Uh, and those, those parents will come up, and they have a part, of course, to say, we, we want to do that. So uh, it, it's going to be a really special service. We already have a couple of families lined up. If you're interested in that, uh, please, you know, the more the merrier. We can, we can do uh, as many dedications as we want that day. Uh, we really want to just focus on that and focus on dedicating our children to the Lord uh, and then covenanting as a body to those children, okay? So that's May 12th. If you're interested in that, uh, grab the welcome card. You can put your name on it. Uh, let me know after the service. Uh, make sure you write down child dedication if you write your name on it too, okay? And then uh, we'll, we'll get going with that. Um, the, the thing that I'm going to have Jeff come talk about in a minute is, is that transformed conference. It's a flyer in your bulletin. Uh, a really great opportunity uh, for, for those of us dealing with stress or trauma and, and trying to rewire our minds to think, think like Christ thinks and, and uh, be transformed instead of continually being conformed maybe into despair, maybe into isolation, maybe into anger or rage, right? There's things that come up in our lives that because of trauma and stress uh, that we don't always act so appropriately. Um, so a great opportunity to hear from uh, a specialist in this field. Uh, I'm going to let Jeff come on up and uh, tell you more about that. Jeff. Thanks, Brandon. For those of you who don't know me, I am Jeff Summers. Uh, I was on staff here a very, very long time ago. Um, and it is we always love visiting here and being here. So, Brandon, thanks um, for letting me come and share. My wife and I currently direct the Narnia Retreat and Study Center here in Mount Shasta, if you're familiar with that. Um, if you aren't, I will be available if you have questions about that afterwards. But what I'm here to talk about uh, is the Transformed Conference. And I want to read something from the writings of the Apostle Paul. In Romans chapter 12, he writes this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Narnia Retreat and Study Center is partnering with Thomas Powell's from the Inner Workings Professional Services. Uh, he's based out of Colorado, and he, we're bringing this Transformed Conference this coming weekend, Friday night and Saturday. And uh, the, the front of the bulletin, uh, the box, kind of, we tried to summarize what Tom does. And he uses uh, advances in neuroscience, which is uh, brain science, to help us reset our bodies, that we might be able to offer those as, as sacrifices to the Lord. Because our bodies store stress from trauma. And we can, uh, we can use how God has designed the brain to relieve that stress, um, and then transform our thinking. Because it's difficult to transform our thinking when our bodies um, have these reactions to the stress. So Tom is going to help us understand how that works uh, Friday and Saturday, and then he's going to be available for appointments Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, to register, there's a website on the front of the, uh, of the flyer. But Pastor Brandon is wanting to bring a group, so if you want a 40% discount on... Uh, the registration for that. See Pastor Brandon. Uh, we talked the other day, and he is. Uh, he said, I want to bring a group, so um, he wanted me to mention that to everyone, so be sure to see him. And if you have questions about what the conference is going to look like or, or what working with Tom looks like, I'll be available after the service. Thanks.
So a good opportunity, great opportunity uh, for us to, to rethink how we think and, and to conform that into, into the mind of Christ and into, into what, uh, what he wants us to do and how he wants us to respond. And uh, neat how faith and, and the Bible work with science, isn't it? It, it actually goes together. They're not separate. They're, they're, they go together. You know why? God created science, right? It's pretty cool. All right, well, we're going to be in Matthew today, chapter 28. Uh, and today, I want to look at uh, discipleship, and I want to look at that. It's a word that, that I think is undefined at times uh, in the church, and, and then at other times, it's a word that people say, oh, I don't, I don't want to, no, nothing to do with that. You know, I don't want to go there. Don't, don't go there. But it's, it's imperative for us to understand that that is, that is the life of the church. It's discipleship, and that's the lifeblood of the church, right? Uh, I, I need to let you know, there are people here every week that are alone every week that are alone when they sit here, that are alone when they leave, and there was no connection ever made for the glory of God. There's no connection ever made for their spiritual well-being. There's no connection ever made for their, to bear their burdens or their hurts or their, or their stresses. That, that's happening every single week in every church around the world. But that's not what Christ called us to. He didn't call us to just come and sit and take. He called us to be the living, breathing body of Christ, that we would, we would be hospitable, we would love our family, as Christ loved us. So we're going to look at that a little deeper today, uh, this, this thing about discipleship. And here, here's what's interesting. I think that the church uh, has, has failed in this you know, as a whole, but I think that we have failed because we have set the church up to be this thing instead of the church is the people. Amen? And, and when we are the people who come to the church and the church is this thing, this ch the church is supposed to provide for all my needs. So they should have a program for everything I need. And it almost becomes like you're going to Taco Bell and you have a menu and you choose. That's not what the church is supposed to be. You and I are supposed to be the church. This building facilitates us, the church, when we gather and when we leave. It's just a building. The church is gone. So yes, as, as a leader in the church, the pastor, right? I, I want to help you and understand that I, I want to, as a, as a collective body, make, make a program, facilitate discipleship. But it's, it really comes down to you and I individually being responsible to be a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples of Jesus. Um, there's a, an interesting verse I'll read later. We, we talk about spurring each other on. And, and the CSB translation says provoke each other. So I, I'm going to tell you that later. We want to provoke each other. All right. But right now, when we talk about spurring each other on, I, I have horses. My wife loves horses. And I have horses because my wife loves horses. But she, she goes out riding, and she puts spurs on. And when it, if you're not a, like a, a real routine rider, you're thinking spurs, the ones you see in the westerns, right? The ones that they clang every time they go because they're, they're a spur with those little, like a star on it that's just spiky, right? And I, I, that's my thought, too. I've seen westerns. I see that all the time. And, and those exist. They, they use those. But my wife doesn't use those kinds of spurs. Her spur is just like a, a bar at the end of it with a little knob. It's a round knob, not pokey at all, not like I'm going to hurt you and make you bleed, horse. It's just it's something that helps spur the horse in the right movement in the right action and and, and a horse needs spurring sometimes because a horse can be stubborn right a horse can be fearful a horse can lack confidence that they could actually do what you're asking them to do so a spur is that nudge needed to help propel the horse forward let's get some forward movement here let's let's encourage them to move forward so when we talk about spurring or biblical provoking what we're talking about is encouraging people to move forward encouraging them to move forward, all right? And that's, that's part of discipleship as well. I'm going to pray, and we're going to go to Matthew 28. We're going to read the Great, uh, great Commission right at the end of, end of the uh, book, okay? Let's pray. Father, 
Thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you that you brought us together uh, today as the church, as the body of Christ. God, that we might be your hands and feet, that we might be disciples, those who have in faith trusted in Christ as Savior, God, and that we would not only be disciples, but that, God, we would make disciples. God, help us open our hearts and minds to be receptive to your word today. Challenge us, please, to not be apathetic, to not be consumers only, God, but to be renewed by what we consume, to be challenged and spurred on towards discipleship, towards a lifestyle and a pattern of discipleship, that there would be life in this body because of the life of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in Matthew chapter 28. We're looking at verses uh, 18 through the end of the chapter, through 20. Here's what it says. Uh, Jesus came near to them and said, this is the disciples, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. The last thing Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. Right? If, if you want anything else, this is basically Jesus saying, this is what it is. This is what I want you to do. This is what I'm urging you to do. And, and it's, not, it's not an option. We need to understand that. It's not an option. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He's commanding us to do that. So I do want us to look at there, this. As we go through today's uh, message, as we go through the scriptures today, we need to look at this from two sides. There are two sides to this coin. There's one side that is, I'm, I'm a disciple of Christ. That means I have, I have put my faith and trust in Christ as Savior. I've repented of my sin, turned to Him. He is my treasure. Do I have that figured out all the way? No. Do I, am I perfect? No. But I am a disciple. I'm a follower of Christ. Before Christians were Christians, or called Christians, rather, they were disciples. You see it in Scripture. And the disciples did this, and the disciples said this, and the disciples gathered there. They were disciples. They understood what that meant. For you and I, here's what that means. That we have chosen to follow Jesus. We have chosen to follow Jesus. As disciples, it's not just like, oh, I like that kind of style and that color and that flavor. I'll, I'll kind of pick and choose as I want. We, what we're saying as a disciple is that Christ is our everything. And we are choosing to, to answer his call, right? What did Jesus do with the disciples? He went to the side of the sea and he called out his first disciples and said, come what? Follow me. Come follow me. And what did they do? They dropped their nets and they followed him. So for you and I to understand, being a disciple means that you and I are going to be followers of Jesus. It also should be understood that we're going to be followers of Jesus, and we're going to be followers of someone who follows Jesus as well. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. There's someone more mature in our, than, than us in our walk. There's someone who can add to, to what's going on in our life and in our spirituality. And we need to look for that person and say, I want to follow that. I want to mimic that. I want to I want to talk to that person. I want to see how they, they work this out in their own life. So it, on one side of the coin, we are followers of Jesus Christ and followers of people who follow Jesus Christ. On the other side of that, we really need to understand that, that as a disciple, I have to, I have to put that person in front of me I can grab onto. So that one side, I'm a follower, right, of Jesus, and, the, and, and, and I'm a follower of a people. And the, the other side is, I'm going to be a discipler. I'm going to grab onto someone. So uh, I think it was Francis Chan in one of his books, he said that there was, there was two directions to this. When every single person in their walk in, in faith, there's two sides of the coin, everyone should be reaching forward 
and grabbing onto somebody more mature, more steady, more stable. And everyone should be also grabbing onto someone less mature that needs them. You see, we, we tend to think it because of maybe the school systems or our work and employment, like, well, we, until we get that promotion, we're not, we're not capable to do that. Until we go through strict, strict training, we can't disciple somebody. Jesus says, go make disciples. He told his disciples, go and make disciples. And if you and I were there that day, he would have told you and I, go and make disciples. So not only would I be a disciple and a follower, grabbing onto some, not only Jesus, grabbing onto somebody else, that I have been charged by Jesus to grab on to somebody weaker in their faith. That my life, wherever I'm at, whatever God's doing there, however he's, he's, he's transforming me by his word and his spirit, that that would invest in somebody else as well. So it, it should look like this. Every one of us should be like raising our hands to the question, am I a disciple? Yes. Am I a disciple? Yes. Do, do I need someone to disciple me? Yes. Every one of us should have our hands raised to that. So that means every one of us should be looking around saying, who, who is going to be my person that I grab onto? And who's the person I'm going I'm to take hold of? Right? Who, who are the people that I need to be surrounding my life with? So we're looking at these aspects of discipleship, both forward and backwards, and see what that looks like. Uh, let's just go through. Number one, the, the first aspect of discipleship, and I mentioned this already, it's commanded. Discipleship is commanded. It is not an option. It's not to be treated as an option or, or the thing that's called, the, you know those things called the round to it, right? When we get around to it, right? Or maybe if I get some time, I'll do this. Before Jesus leaves, he says, he didn't say anything about your schedule. He didn't say anything about marking time down on your calendar. He said, go and make disciples. And, and it goes on, go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples is what we're talking about. This is a lifelong process. He said, and he, he said all authority, listen, everyone listening to Jesus, he says, all authority has been given to me. What authority? Well, all authority in heaven and on earth, all of the authority has been given to me. And with that, he continues, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Because I'm in command, because I'm in charge, because all authority has been given to me, I'm giving you marching orders, go and make disciples. And we fail at that a lot. We, we, maybe we don't know how. Maybe we haven't been discipled and we, you know, someone else failed us. So we don't know what that looks like. But we've got to start reaching out. We've got to start grabbing on to other people. Saying, teach me something. Help, let me share this with you. Jesus is commanding this. He's saying, because I have all authority and, and in light of the salvation that I've brought to you, go and make disciples. Here's what that means. It means help others come to know and express repentance and repentant faith in Jesus Christ. When, when he says go and make disciples, he's saying go let people know about Jesus so they become Christians and followers and disciples of Christ. Let them know about the hope that's within you, the hope that sustains you, that's, that's brought to you because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. When we say make disciples, we're not saying I'm going to make you come and study the Bible with me. I'm going out to share the good news and hope of Jesus so that you would come to a faith in Christ as I have come to a faith in Christ. We go and make disciples, but he goes on, doesn't he? Discipleship is teaching them. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we, someone comes to faith in Christ, then what do we do? We let them express that publicly through, the, through baptism. That's what we're doing on May 25th. We're having a baptism service, a public expression. If, if I become a disciple in Christ, I want to show the world that. And it goes on from there. We, we don't just stop there. So often it stops at the tank. And, and, and I've seen so many times, I, maybe 50%, 50%, I, I'm, I'm 
I'm reaching, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm a little conservative here. 50% of the people that get baptized end up gone. They came, they were emotional, they, they, they had this experience with Jesus, they got baptized, so they thought that would just make it all better. And it didn't, because discipleship didn't continue with them. It kind of left them in the dust. But Jesus goes on, he says, baptize them, and then what? Teach them to observe or obey everything I have commanded. So we, we don't stop at baptism. We don't stop at salvation and then baptism. We continue moving forward. We make disciples and then teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And in turn, they will become disciples who make disciples. And they teach them everything. You know, see what I'm saying? It, we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. But you and I have a responsibility to those folks to teach them and to love them and to reach out to them. And it's commanded by Jesus to us to go and make disciples. So as we start this today, as we go into this, understand that this is not like an optional fun thing that I want you to be involved in. This is something that Jesus tells me and you we have to do. We have to do. You know, we, we've tried really hard at our church in the last several years to, to be more and more loving, to be more and more like, like surrounding people, like grabbing and saying, we love you, we're, we're here, we don't, wanna, we don't want you to fall through the cracks. We've started phone call ministries, you know, miss you cards. We, we check up on people. We make sure, we, hey, we, we want you here. We love you. But that will only go so far. Because a miss you card will, will go out and they'll come and they'll just sit here alone again with no one investing and pouring into them. And listen, it might be you. It might, it might have been you at one point in your, in your life. We've got to understand something, something flipped. Someone grabbed onto you. Someone invested in you. That's important. So it's commanded. Number two, uh, these next three points uh, I feel are, are aspects of discipleship that, that make it pretty simple to understand the flow and, and what we should be focused on. So uh, it's way more complex than this, but it can be simple like this too, and we can start here. This is a good starting place. In fact, we, we use this, uh, this next three points as a teaching structure in one of our uh, recent teaching times with, with group leaders, and people who may be teachers or leaders and discipling new people in groups. But this applies to every single one of us, uh, especially right now as we talk about individually having relationship and, and, and growing people in Christ. So here's, here's what it is. Number, the first aspect, number two, though. Number two is what? Vulnerable community. Aspect of discipleship is vulnerable community. It's necessary. Uh, here's where we go wrong. Okay, we take one of these or, or maybe two, but not all of them. Uh, we have thought for many, many years, because we, we, let us be what we are. We'll grow on our own. We'll kind of grow at our own speed. And that's true. We do grow at our, at our own speed. But God's kind of spurring us on. And we need others to spur us on to grow, grow right? If we don't have that, we kind of just stagnate and plateau. But we have said, hey, go to Bible study. We want you in Sunday school. Many churches all over the country had, had worship service and Sunday school. And if you went to Sunday school and worship service, man, you were, you were it. You got it. You were at the pinnacle of your, of your service to God and, and what you needed to do. But what we've done, we set up a Sunday school hour, one hour, to bring everyone together and kind of get their coffee and hang out and talk. And, and then it's, it's chit-chat is what it is. And then it's sit down and a, and a, a teacher instructs you. And that teacher may not have been encouraged through the Word to say, hey, it's more than just teaching the Word of God. Do you know these people's names? This is not a college lecture hall. This is the body of Christ. This is a family. This is a community. So it needs to go deeper than just, it's just open your Bibles and study. There needs to be that vulnerability that's built up. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I've used this a lot, this is the church, the early church, says they, they devoted themselves. So what did they as a group devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, yeah, we are going to study Scripture. We are going to hear from and submit to the, to the Word and to the apostles' teaching. 
right? They, they uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. This koinonia, this you and I being together, enjoying each other's company, being, being shoulder to shoulder, rubbing elbows, doing life together. It's not the superficial chit-chat fellowship we're talking about. This is that deep spiritual connection, that koinonia, that there's like-mindedness and unity shared there. So they devoted themselves to that. So the early church did. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Like, hey, let's have a meal together, and let's remember the Lord Jesus as we break bread and drink the wine. We want to always be keeping Christ in focus. Then finally, to the prayers, or to prayer. They would pray, pray for one another. They'd pray for the church. They'd pray to God for, for salvation of people around. This is the devotion they showed, but this, this vulnerable community had to be, be present in order for us to devote ourselves to one another. Amen? Like, it has to, it, I can't really devote myself to you if I don't know you, if I don't want to know you, if I don't care about your hurts and your struggles. Because that's what devoting ourselves to one another means. It, it's that covenant relationship we talk about, we see in Jonathan and David. And I use this kind of this quip all the time. It's not, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, right? That's not what we're talking about. It's, I'll scratch your back whenever it itches. This is the fellowship and devotion we should have for one another. This is the covenantal love that we have for one another. And it's been modeled by Jesus Christ as well. So we, this, this life together is so, so important. And, and, and vulnerable community is important. When I say vulnerable community, it means that I'm going to probably share things that I wouldn't share with somebody else. It means I'm going I'm to open up a little bit. And if you're the discipler, if you're on the one coin saying, I'm going to be the discipler, I'm going to try to encourage somebody, the best thing you do is open up. Show, show how much you failed in your past. And that's hard too. That's why discipleship has kind of ceased a little bit. Our pride tells us, yeah, we've been healed. Jesus has forgiven us, but I don't want to talk about that anymore. Because that looks bad. Well, sure it does. What did Jesus save you from? Good? He saved you from bad. He brought us out of the mire and despair. We were filthy. We were disgusting. That's what he did. And more praise to Jesus, the, the more disgusting he saved me from. And, but I should be willing to use that in the life of someone else. I'm not saying go, go and just tell everybody your dirt. I'm saying when, you, when, it, when it gets to the place where you can be eyeball to eyeball with somebody, and you can get real with somebody, it's really important to do that. It's really important that you can, you can be vulnerable so that someone that's maybe weaker in their faith may understand that, they, that you aren't perfect, because you're not, and they may be willing to reciprocate and say, you know what, I'm struggling too in this area, or I've struggled like this, and I didn't know what to do. Thank you so much for sharing how you came out of that. Thanks for sharing that there's hope in Jesus, because there is hope in Jesus. But vulnerable community has to take place. The other side of it is this. If you're the disciple wanting, wanting to grab onto somebody and be vulnerable, and this is difficult to do, I, I get it. You might be that person that I talked about earlier, it's all alone. That, that you have hurts and hurts and hurts and nobody knows. I am sorry. Re reach out. If, someone, if someone's not asking you how you're doing, reach out and say, can I tell you how I'm doing? Because this is supposed to be a safe place, a place that we've devoted ourselves, our lives to one another, and, and point people to Jesus for real life. So I, I want us to do that. It's hard though, right? It's hard when you're like, I'm kind of vulnerable here. I don't want to ex expose myself. I'm good just singing the songs and leaving. No, it's, you're not going to be good for that long. It's going to wear on you and wear on you and eventually it's going to wear you out. And wh what people do is they find that there was no hope in the church because they got worn out without being vulnerable. We have to be willing to talk. We have to be willing to share we have to be willing to let our egos down and our pride down. And, and you know, one of the things I, I, I try to do myself, I, I'm a pastor, right? I'm a young pastor. 
I have kids and I'm a failure at a lot of things. And I try to let you know that all the time because I don't want you to put me on a pedestal. I want you to put Jesus on a pedestal. And when we talk and have vulnerability together, Jesus should be on that pedestal. Look at Jesus. He saved me from so much. Look at Jesus, what he's doing in my life. Look at Jesus and how he's transformed me. Vulnerable community starts pointing people to Jesus. And that's so important. How, how can you do this practically? Well, here, here's one of the things I'll, I tell people all the time, and I, I, this is something I, I ripped off and have used for many years. Do what you like to do. And take people with you. Do what you like to do and take people with you. You like to build stuff? Grab somebody and say, come over and build this. Come hold this piece of wood. Or come watch, because I don't want your fingers to get cut off. Whatever it is. I, take people with you. Do what you love to do and take people with you. There are times we've got to get out of our box, and maybe, maybe that means we're going to go do something that someone else likes to do. But natural, vulnerable discipleship can really start easily when I'm just doing what I like to do, and I bring somebody alongside. We can start talking about the commonalities and that, start sharing life, being together in that. It, listen, it doesn't mean, here's what, here's what vulnerable, vulnerable community doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be this regimented, okay, let me calendar this out this week. We're going to meet for 1.35 hours, and we're going to start with this, and we're going to go to this next thing, and then we're going to cover this topic. It, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It doesn't have to do that. You, you just, it's like, hey, hey, Bill, how you doing? It's so good to see you. I have missed you for a while. Can we catch up this week? I'd love to get some coffee with you. That, that'd be, let's do that. Where do you like to go? You're buying. Sounds good. <laughs> Wherever's expensive. But you see how easy that can be. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like, hey, I've got this Bible study guide that we have to go through. We've got, we've got to navigate this. I, I know it's busy right now. It's a tough time. You know, is there any time? You, can you carve out some time that we can try to disciple? Let's just start vulnerably in community. Let's just start visiting and talking. Let's just start caring about people for reals. Because you can go to coffee and you can stare them in the eyes and not even care. But it has to be for reals. It has to be a real care that's down deep. Romans 12 says this, 12, 9, and 15, 9 through 15. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That eyeball, eyeball with no care, that's hypocrisy. But saying, let's, let's talk. Let me actually hear what's going on in your life. That's not. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. What does vulnerable community look like? Well, it, the words I pulled out of this, it, to love deeply, to show people honor, to celebrate what what's being celebrated in their life, to share with them as they have a need, practice hospitality. My house is your house. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Like, hey, good job. You did an awesome job. You, you won. Good job. And weep with those who weep. Man, my life is horrible, and I, I've got this. Yeah, let's weep. Let's, let's weep together. See, that's vulnerable community. That's what vulnerable community is. Uh, Galatians tells us we have to carry one another's burdens. We're bearing each other's burdens. That's what vulnerable community does. We start to bear those burdens. And that person that's feeling all alone right now, and you're like, I, maybe I should reach out to them, they would love just to have you listen. You know how it is, right? I, I get it all the time. People come into the office, want to talk, and want to counsel. They basically do most of the counseling. I just sit there and listen. I might add a couple things, but, but it's just, how good does it feel to be able to just to share something? 
to say it out loud to somebody else in, in a safe environment. It's amazing how we bear one another's burdens and how that helps us. That we are to confess our sins to one another, that we be judged, is what Scripture doesn't say. Confess our sins to one another, that we might be healed. That we can, we can say, this is what I'm struggling with. Help me, pray for me, guide me somewhere better. That we can be healed in our heart. It's not just about that Sunday school time, that discipleship. is not about just Sunday school and hanging out with that and, and the Word and not really having any vulnerable community. We've got to have vulnerable community there. Now, that's a, very, that's a very necessary part of discipleship, right? Sunday school is. Sunday school Bible study is a very necessary part. But we can't miss the fact that devoting ourselves to one another means more than studying the Scriptures together. It means more than studying the Scriptures together. It means sharing your life with others, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your victories, your defeats. It's about doing life together. Now, I, I want to give you just a little application to this. How, how do we do that? How do we, how do we focus in on that aspect of vulnerable community? Well, it depends on what side of the coin, coin you're on, right? If you are a, a disciple wanting to be discipled, then start to participate in vulnerable community. Participate in vulnerable community. Find those niches where you can stop and talk or grab someone and pull them aside and say, I, I need to share this with you. Participate in vulnerable community. If you are a discipler and ready to give and serve and love and hear and listen, then put yourself in a place to facilitate vulnerable community. Facilitate vulnerable community. Let people know, hey, I, I'm a safe place. I'm willing to talk. Come, come, let's let's share. Listen, I, I love to do that. I'm one dude. Okay, and I know a lot of you are doing that. But but when the phone keeps ringing and ringing and people keep walking in and walking in and wanting to share, we need everyone to be discipling people, don't we? We need all of us to take this serious and say, you know what? It's commanded by Jesus that we who are disciples go and make disciples. We need to do that. Number three, and the second aspect of discipleship that uh, in, in like a group setting or even an individual setting. Submission to God. That's the second aspect of discipleship. Submission to God. So if we're thinking, how do I disciple? And we'll break it all down in a minute. Vulnerable community is important and then submission to God. So there are times that disciple, people think, oh, discipleship, it's just get together for some games and some volleyball and for food. Yeah, we did discipleship. No, you didn't. You did games and volleyball and food. Right? You, you might have started some vulnerable community relationships. That's good. That, that, but don't leave it there. We can't stop there. Just like we can't stop when it's only Bible study. It's more than that. Right? So it's not just vulnerable community. It's not just Bible study. They have to go together. Uh, and this is submission to God. So Jesus came near and said, all authority, right? All authority. So who should we surrender to? The authority. He has all authority. Submission to Jesus. It's been given to him. And then it says, teach them as we disciple, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. So it's not just, hey, we need to get to know them and make disciples and build relationship and rapport. We need to let them know about Jesus and, and the other things that Jesus says we should do. Here's how Jesus says we should live. Let's, let's go towards that. So what are we doing when we're in a, a discipleship relationship? Well, we're, we're being vulnerable, and then we're pointing people to Jesus. We're pointing people to the Word. We're letting them surrender to Him. Exodus 20 gives us the Ten Commandments. First commandment. Here's what it says in verse 2 and 3. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. There's authority in that statement. I am. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of, out of the place of slavery. First commandment, do not have other gods beside me. 
I guarantee you, when we start entering into vulnerable community, we're going to be able to identify each other's other gods. Because that's usually the case, right? We put something else in place of God or Savior in our lives, and we need to dethrone that. And that's part of the, the, the rigors of discipleship. It's part of the rigors of sanctification and growth. But we need to dethrone those little g-gods and put God back in the place that he's supposed to be. So if, if I'm a disciple seeking that, I need to get in a humble place and say, God, I need, I need to humble myself. There may, there may be something that I believe that's incorrect. There may be something that I put in front of you that I shouldn't have. It starts with humility. Because if you go into it with pride, I'm good, I got it squared away, my priority's right, well, then you don't need to be disciples, I guess. But that's not the case, right? And as a discipler, we're looking at the people that are, that are seeking that out. We're saying, what are those areas? What are those areas that they don't, they don't believe correct about God or about, about the doctrine of scriptures? What, what fallacies or, or lenses and worldviews are they looking at the, at the world through? And can we change those out and put, put a, a godly worldview in, in place so they can see the world in, in, through a submissive perspective from Christ? We submit to God. We should love God before everything else. Psalm, t- turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 119, if you would. I think this is a powerful, powerful passage, and I, I really want us to just read this together. Psalm 119, we're going to read verses 1 through uh, one through 8. <clears throat> Here's what it says. So we submit to God. We say, God, you're, you're the authority. You're God. I don't have any other gods before you. So we want people to submit to God. But there's other ways we submit to God, and it's through His Word. Here's what it says. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instructions. We want this blessing. We want people to experience this blessing and this joy, this happiness of being a follower of Christ and being someone that's submissive to God. We're not just saying, get in shape, get in line, it's your duty. The psalmist says, it's a delight. It's a delight to be happy in God, to be happy in walking in the Lord's instruction. Verse 2, happy are those who keep His decrees and seek Him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. Now, next verse. Look at this next passage. If only, if, and if this is you as a disciple, if only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me. This is amazing. We, we want to. We have to want to submit to God's word and his authority in our lives that we would be blessed and happy because of that. And we want those who we're discipling to be pointed to submission and surrender to God and his word so they could also be blessed and be happy in that. That things are straightened out. We, we like to do things the hard way, don't we? we I, I just, I'm going to learn from the school of hard knocks. Yeah, we will. We will learn and it will not be fun. Or we could gain wisdom from God. Say, God, what, what do you think I should do here? What, what, would, what are you commanding me to do? Maybe I'll do that. And the psalmist writes, when I do that, I'm happy. When I do that, I'm blessed. There's a delight in that. It's not just I'm doing my duty. I am delighting in the treasure that is Jesus. And the treasure that is, is his word. So we submit to God. We submit to the word. Scripture says we should submit to the leaders that God puts over us in Hebrews. We should submit to them. It says, submit to your leaders because they keep watch over your souls as ones who give an account. I, I don't take that burden lightly. That's probably the burden on my shoulders that really feels heavy. I'm responsible for your souls. That is hard. So I really need your help discipling each other, okay? I really need that. 
because we ought to be responsible to help us become obedient and submissive to God. And Galatians says that we should submit to the Spirit. Don't be drunk by wine, but be what? Filled by the Spirit of God. There's a submission in our hearts and lives that needs to occur. So when we talk about discipleship, yes, vulnerable community is so important. Do what you love to do and take someone with you. But don't stop at the end of that conversation and be like, oh, thanks for sharing your problems. See you later. We've got to get on track and point people back to God and the Word. I'm not saying you know the answer. What I'm, what I'm encouraging you to do is find it together. Go and find a place that we can submit to together. Ask questions if you need to ask questions. Seek, seek more input. But go to the Word and help people submit to the Word. So what are some applications here? I think it's, it's important that you and I understand that we, are, we need to be leadable and we need to be teachable. Right? If, you're, if you're just a jerk and you don't want to like, have anything to do with anybody, or don't tell me what to do, well, then you're not going to be a very good disciple. But if you, if you can come to that place and be humble and say, you know what, I, I can admit, even just a little bit, that I'm probably not perfect. And I can admit that somebody may say something that's wise to me, then you can enter into this. I, I hope that your heart tenderizes more than that to say, the, say in a place that I, I don't know if I have any answers. I, I just need more Jesus. And you're, you're ready to just get rid of whatever you need to get rid of so you can treasure Christ above all. You can know Christ above all. That's what we want. That's the kind of humility we want, both as a disciple and a discipler. Submission to God. Finally, number four. An aspect of discipleship is being spurred on and on and on. It's not a typo, guys. I wrote that on purpose. Spurred on and on and on. What does he say? He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, the word go, means as you go. Doesn't mean, hey, just sign up for a mission trip and you've accomplished it. Hey, just do it this one time in this group and that's good. No, as you go, as you walk out these doors, as you interact, as you come in contact with people, as you go, make disciples. It's an ongoing thing. As you go, it's on and on and on. And the great thing is this, we need to remember as we go, he says, and by the way, I'm with you. Remember, I'm with you. But it's bigger than that, isn't it? It's even bigger than that. It's not just that I'm with you. He says, I am with you what? Always to where? The very end of the age. As you go, every single time you need me, I'm there. Every interaction, I'm there. Every time you talk to someone, I'm there. Rely on me. Trust me. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Discipleship is not, hey, let's sign up. Let's get it done. Okay, you've, you've crossed the T's. You've dotted the I's. Sign here. Date here. See you later. And I'm, I'm even guilty of that. I, I was, became aware of that this week even. Just like, there's people I've failed. I, I've helped them grow up and got to a place of stability. I'm like, okay, see you later. Go, go get your thing done. Go, go disciple others. But man, we need to keep checking in. It's not ever done. This process goes on and on and on. We need to grow up in maturity. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. He himself, that's God, gave, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers who are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. You know, we, we can build a house and it's done, right? The body of Christ needs to be continually built. To build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son. When will that be? When we're face to face? Growing in maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Our goal is to be measured by Christ's fullness. We won't see that this side of heaven. We'll see more and more glimpses of it. More and more stature of it. But it won't be done until we're with Him in glory. 
It won't be full and, and fully realized until we're with him in glory. So we ought to continue in that, to grow up in that. We're spurred on and on and on. Here's the Hebrews verse. I, I use this, this spur. So now what we've got here today, this is the final of it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 5 says this. Let us watch out for one another. What does that mean? Keep your eyes open. Look around you for the needs that are around you. Look, look around for hurting people. Look around for people you may not know. See if you can get to know them. Become a disciple or become a disciple. Let us watch out for one another. To what? To provoke love and good works. This is the kind of provoking I want us to be doing. Spurring each other on. with those, Not those sharp ones all the time, but with those. And sometimes those sharp ones are needed, huh? Sometimes you've got a stubborn horse, you've got to get going. But spurring them on in love, saying, listen, let's, let's move forward. I know you're scared. I know you don't, you're not confident. Let's go together. Let me, let me help you with this. Spur each other on. Not neglecting to gather together. Right? I love this passage. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Christ is going to return. I want to I be more and more mature and complete, lacking nothing, as Scripture says. I want to grow in that fullness and that full measure of Christ. I want to I see us grow in that. So we ought to gather. We ought to gather in big group. We ought to gather in small group. We ought to gather for vulnerable community, right? So here, here's, here's the three aspects, three things. If you want to go out and have a conversation with someone this week, remember these three things. Vulnerable community. Submission to God and His Word, right? And spurring them on to the next step, encouraging them forward in their walk with Jesus. That's, that's what discipleship looks like. In this last area of spraying on, I, I have a practical application for you. We can be consumers or we can reach burnout in this area. A lot of people are consumers. Like, I, I just, I'm going to be spurred on to go and sit and take, 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 take. I'm just going to be a sponge and soak it all up. I'm going to talk and talk and talk and debate and debate and debate these scriptures and not really ever do any. There's no feet to it. Don't do that. Don't be a consumer. I want you to be filled up with God's word. He's going to change and transform you. Don't just be a consumer. But don't just go do to do, and, and you end up being burned out. Why? Because there was no passion in it. There's no excitement under the authority and salvation of Jesus to go forward and, and make disciples who make disciples. See, that's the passion we need to go with. God says it is a blessing when we, it's not just a duty, it's a delight. And Paul says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's not just working, working, working. It's a blessing how happy we would be to serve. And if we serve in that capacity, however much we do or however little we do, we're not going to get burned out. Burnout happens when we're, when we're just, there's no life left there. There's no joy left there. There's no passion there. I'm just going through the motions and I'm, I'm hurting or I'm, I need healing, I need help, whatever it might be. But we do it with passion, spurring each other on and on and on and, and in our own self, finding that time where we have someone else spurring us on and on and on. We take care of others, and we take care of ourselves. They are not mutually exclusive. Now, some of you will be in a place of, like, you're just, I'm just a wreck. And you need to be built up and encouraged. I get that. But all of us, almost all of us, need to be in a place where we are both reaching forward and reaching backwards. Grabbing onto somebody for our benefit and for their benefit. That we would make disciples who make disciples who make disciples for our blessing, our joy, and our unity, and our lifeblood, and for the glory of God. Amen? Right, let's stand and pray. Lord, we are thankful for your, your grace and your mercy. We're thankful you've given us this pattern to follow. That's your, it's your pattern. You called your disciples to follow you, and God, you've called us to follow you. 
to follow you first in faith in Christ, that we'd humble ourselves and repent of our own sin, that we would turn to you as our greatest treasure, our greatest need to be filled up with. And God, that we would from there go and then make disciples, let people know about the hope in Jesus, and that we would not only be making disciples, we'd make disciples who would then want to in turn make disciples. And we would not only settle for vulnerable community and relationships, God, you want us to do that and carry each other's burdens, but God, you want us to point us, you want to point us and you want us to point others to the words, so help us do that. Help us, help us be submissive and surrender to you. And God, that we would continue to encourage and spur each other on to love and good works, to serve passionately for the cause of Christ. We thank you for that. As we close, God, I, I pray that you would just spur in our own hearts the necessity for discipleship. And I pray in Jesus' name. Well, as we close, it's our opportunity to respond in worship, uh, in prayer, whatever you might need. I'll, I'll be standing up front if you need to pray. I'd love to love to visit with you. Um, remember a couple other action points, too. we got the baptism service coming up. Maybe that's something you need to do. Child dedication, you can talk to us. If you're interested in that transformed conference, it's, it's Friday night for a couple hours, and then it's Saturday. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we are buying a group rate uh, for that. I, I want to I get those tickets to you. There's only a certain amount of them, so come and let me know. Or you can go talk to Jeff. Uh, he's at the kiosk right now in the back to get a little more information about that. Whatever God's doing in your heart right now, just, just respond from your heart to him. Let's sing. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell.